0: Hello, how are you? I hope you're having a great day. This is Drew from Clara Joyce Flowers in Stockton, Illinois, and you are listening to the Between Me and Drew podcast with Clara Joyce Flowers. So um, today, for episode two, we are going to be talking about the story of Clara Joyce Flowers and how all of this came to be. Um, so I am very excited to be talking about this. The story is something that is very you could say near and dear to my heart as a lot of things are that we do here. And I'm super excited to get to share this with you. So without any further ado, let's get rolling. So Clara Joyce Flowers is um, the name uh, and the whole story, everything is is a long process. it, it, I want to start the story from the beginning because everything kind of all plays a role into what um, or how we, we came to be. Um, in episode one, I talked about how I was involved with 4-H and FFA as a young person. And I definitely got my footing there um, as far as like how to grow and um, how to take care of plants. And a lot of that was also those skills that I was learning were were being influenced from family as well. Um, When I was younger, I would spend my summers with my grandma and great-grandmother in their gardens, learning how to care for things and and, uh, tend for a seed, take care of that young plant, and then eventually um, harvest something useful off of that. And that foundation or those fundamentals that I was learning at such a young age have definitely played a huge role in my ability to teach others, uh, communicate how to do and why to do the things that we do here on the farm, um, as far as growing crops. And um, that ultimately was um, the seed that sparked or the seed, the seed that germinated into um, the dream of having this farm. So like I mentioned previously, I was involved with 4-H and FFA. And when you're in the 4-H program, which is the the first first youth organization um, that I was in, you have the ability to show and exhibit projects that you've been working on um, at a summer fair. And I was, as to, (laughs) to no surprise, very interested in the project areas of vegetable gardening, flower gardening, um, anything with with horticulture and agriculture. Um, So I would be showing like laying chickens and I raised laying hens for years and meat chickens and all that fun jazz. But going back to vegetables and and horticulture, when you're exhibiting um, things or specimens in those project areas, you have to follow a, a rubric so you have to have 12 green beans that are identical or, or five tomatoes that look exactly the same. And it's not just like five tomatoes on a plate. You have to have, if you're green beans, for example, which were something that I always did every year, the position of the tip of at the bottom of the green bean had to be identical for all, of, all 12 um, specimens. The bud set for the bloom and how the neck attached to the green bean had to be identical. The color and shading had to be identical. so this is like <laughs> this is kind of very, very in depth, um, especially for you know young people to be paying to all these paying attention to all these details. Um, but w- um, when you're doing all of that, you have to be growing a large amount of produce or green beans or tomatoes or whatever it is in order to be able to select those show specimens. And with all of that excess produce, you can either give it away, eat it, preserve it, um, or you can sell it at farmer's markets. And I learned very, very early on the value of the dollar and how to work for the dollar. Um, When I was even younger, my family started doing... Uh, glass blowing and lamp working, um, which is a, a, a method of working with glass and glasswork, um, and started selling at art shows and craft shows So uh, across the Midwest. So I was learning um, even more soft skills about um, just interpersonal communication and, and how to close a sale and things like that. Um, so, with all of that uh, extra produce, I started selling at farmers markets. And that was really how I built um, a foundation of uh, clientele, local clientele um, and local support was I was selling at farmer's markets in Stockton and then took on another farmer's market in uh, another town called Elizabeth. Um I eventually added in a CSA or a community supported agriculture program where families could um, essentially contract with me Um, for the entirety of a summer or the summer growing season. And every week or every other week, they would receive a box of fresh produce. Um, I also added in growing wholesale, vegetables wholesale for um, some restaurants in the area. And all of that kept growing and growing in more farmers markets and just bigger and bigger um, all the way up through high school. And that business was called Grossinger Produce Farm. And then when I was in high school, I started working in local flower shops. And um, that was where I really saw the difference between um, the quality of product and the type of product that we can grow locally as compared to the quality and types that we um, can purchase in from our local wholesaler. And the first flower shop that I worked in was in Stockton. And um, it it was a, a, a huge eye-opener because every now and then we would receive a couple buckets of ranunculus in the spring from another local flower farm. And we would all just be so blown away at how beautiful they were and how huge the flower heads were as compared to, to some of the other imported flowers and ranunculus that we were you know used to working with. Um, and that was really where... Um, my eyes were opened as to what this uh, industry can be if you really, really take it seriously. So from that point on, I transitioned to another flower shop um, in a neighboring town called Lena. And then um, I graduated High school, yes. And then went to a two-year university um, or two-year college, community college, very close to us in Freeport. And that's called Highland Community College. And from there, I was scheduled to transfer to another school to major in uh, nursery management. Um, And then upon visiting (laughs) the, the school multiple times, I learned that I was actually... Uh, teaching the the instructors more specifically about what I wanted to do um, with cut flowers than they were able to do because that program was very um, nursery and, and plant garden center oriented. So I took my remaining scholarship money because I was very fortunate to have a lot of community support. Um, and I, I cashed out those uh those checks and got busy here building this farm. And it wasn't always easy, uh, starting off because at this point in time, um, we had put up one green two greenhouses at, at, at this point. Um one of them was what is now our propagation house and the other um, was what is now our house three and house, the propagation house or house two is an 18 by 96 and house three is a 34 by 96 house. Um, and those were both exclusively for tomato and pepper production. Um, because you have to remember we were coming out of full-time vegetable production. So everything that I had built was geared towards vegetables and, um, It was a relatively easy transition from vegetables to flowers um, when it comes to the actual physical practices of growing. However, when it comes to uh, or when it came to the interpersonal side, it definitely was (laughs) a bit of a challenge um, and a bit of a learning curve because... um, my, I'm an only child, uh, which plays a, plays a role into things. And my mom and dad uh, were huge, and they still are, uh, huge, incredible supporters of everything that, we, that I do. And I'm very fortunate to have the, them both uh, very actively involved in my life and all of the decisions that we do here. Um, but up until this point, everything um, was more or less... Uh, straightforward and somewhat comfortable Um, because we have this understanding that um, people need food. And if you're producing food, um, it's somewhat easier to sell because it's a necessity. But the problem is uh, with food in particular, that because of the modern and industrial food systems that are currently in place, food no longer has the value that it once did. And it's a very hard, um, concept to grasp for some people, uh, in our area, uh, to pay the, the, the cost or the price of what it actually takes to produce sustainably a pound of tomatoes or a head of lettuce. Um, and money is tied to the emotions, um, that we make when it comes to food and, um, A lot of times there's a level of guilt that uh, factors into spending, quote unquote, too much on vegetables. Um, Whereas if you compare that to flowers, flowers evoke emotion and people will pay for those emotions, whether they're on the receiving end or the giving end. Um, So it is easier to justify a higher price point for flowers as opposed to, to vegetables or food in general. So that was a huge factor that came into play. And that, was, that took us quite a while, um, took me quite a while to really understand and grasp, but also to um, share that and justify that and prove that to my parents was was uh, a little interesting. Um, so that was hurdle number one. Hurdle number two, um, and this also was a very big one, um, was right before I made the decision to not, uh, continue on in education uh, with the university. Um, I came out as gay, and that was <laughs> that was a big um, hurdle for all, all of us, honestly, um, because up until that point, I was um, dating and with this incredible person. Her name is Olivia, and I do hope that I can get her involved in some podcasts here eventually, Um, and um, we'll actually talk about her more in a little bit. But if you're understanding this uh, uh, story or perspective from my parents' uh, point of view, there definitely was a lot that was going on that was factored into that season of life, we'll call it, I just come out as gay, I came home one day from school <laughs> and told my dad that I wasn't going to continue on uh, with transferring to college, to the, to the other college, and um, told him I was going to grow flowers, and we just had to have a few conversations as to where that um, perspective or thought process was coming from, um, but eventually, just as most things work, everything happened for a reason. So we haven't really talked about the name or where Claire Joyce comes from or where it came from. Um, but at the time I was still, uh, dating Olivia. So this was before I, um, had even said I was going to do this full time, but I started to grow dahlias, uh, one year. That was the first flower that got me really involved in the specialty floriculture industry. And, um, I didn't really want to sell these flowers that we were producing underneath the Grossinger Produce Farm name or brand, uh, because that is a little lackluster in my, <laughs> in my opinion, to be selling absolutely stunning blooms um, underneath uh, a name that reads tomatoes, you know? So with that in mind, I knew I had to create something that was unique and special and different. Um... So I texted Olivia late one night. I said, hey, got a question for you. Don't think about this too hard, but who who is a lady in your family that you never got to meet who is deceased, uh, but you feel a strong connection to? Um, and she immediately fired back Clara and she said, who's yours? And I said, well, mine's Joyce. And um, Clara was her great, great grandmother, I'm pretty sure. Um, who sounded like a complete badass. And um, Joyce was my grandmother. Um, She um, is my mom, or my dad's mother, um, who died in her mid-50s before I was born uh, from cancer. And Joyce um, sounded like a pretty incredible person. Uh, Just everything that she did and touched um, was beautiful. She was Uh, from the sounds of it and immaculate, uh, house everything was always beautiful. Um, very crafty, very handy, incredible cook, loved plants, um, all things that I could definitely appreciate. And, um, we ended up putting those two names together, Clara and Joyce. Um, alphabetical order just to keep it easy. And we just put the word flowers behind it because I didn't want it to be a limiting name and wanted it to be uh, a name that could grow with a brand depending on um, the way that our business was bound to grow and change Um, and landed on Clara Joyce flowers and away we went. And we haven't necessarily looked back from this point. Um, so that was, uh, kind of the, the story of, um, how we, we got our name. Um, it is very, very entertaining to me, um, when people will send us a message on social media or send me an email asking for Clara Joyce or just Clara. Um, and then I have to say that, well, neither of them are alive anymore, but how can I help you? (laughs) Um, so we, we definitely have fun with that one, but it, it is a huge honor to be able to, um, carry on both of those women's names, but also their legacy in, um, our day-to-day operations and, um, everything that we do. So with the name planted, I, um, was basically ready to jump in from the word go um, at that point, but, um, that season going into having that name, uh, I was still a little hesitant to completely walk away, um, move on or transition from growing vegetables. So, um, I had one trial year where I was doing, um, half vegetable production and half floral production. And in order for me to really, uh, grow the flower business or Clara Joyce flowers, I knew that I needed to, um, bring on some employees to do the vegetable operation. And that I think was the biggest factor that was able to play into my decision of, of moving full-time with flowers. Um, because the amount of labor that goes into producing high quality vegetables is, astounding, um, especially on a small scale production. Um, because when we were growing vegetables, very, very little of what we were doing was done in an automated manner. So all of the transplanting was being done by hand. All of the trellising for the tomatoes was done by hand. All of the harvesting was done by hand. And, I'm not saying that much of that is different with flowers, but it's just heightened to another level with produce on a small scale. So being able to really, really keep track in a detailed manner, the amount of labor and expenses that were going into vegetable as compared to my expenses and labor going into flowers made it a much easier decision um, at the end of the year. Um, One thing that you'll kind of learn from me in the long run, once we get going into more episodes and into more detail on a lot of topics, um, numbers play a huge role in the way that we make decisions. And that was something that I learned very early on is that, yes, it's important to have um, emotions to feed into and to take into account when you are making business decisions. But... In reality, the numbers have to work. And if the numbers don't work, and this is your business, this is your source of income, this is this is how you are paying your rent and purchasing your groceries, this is your livelihood, you have to be able to place those emotions on the back burner and focus on the numbers, those hard numbers. Because very rarely do numbers lie. And that is something that I think is lost in translation uh, when it comes to either starting a business or starting a farm, which is also a business um, or really doing any, any decisions. Um, Numbers are very important to factor into things. And I also had a huge passion for, for flowers as well. You know, I'm coming to this uh, specialty flower production um, industry from the florists or floriculture industry, so um, and the event industry as well. So I definitely saw everything from a large picture. I I knew that where we were at geographically um, and our clientele, I didn't have a whole lot of quick growth and sustainable growth when it came to vegetables, whereas with flowers um, that was a different story. So I. Um, use that trial year as uh, basically a, a launching point to figure out what was going to be the trajectory of our farm. In that trial year, or the year after the trial year, I should say, um, I really went super, super crazy heavy with um, dahlias because I knew that if I wanted to gain the attention of area florists, Chicago florists, um, florists in Madison, um, Milwaukee, Iowa City, Des Moines, uh, the Quad Cities, I needed to have something that um, visually was incredible to show on social media, because that is Uh, social media is was and is still currently our main avenue of advertising it's where we tell our story it's where we show the stunning flowers and the beautiful product that we're producing so that first year i'm i'm pretty sure um my wholesale supplier thought that i was absolutely insane because here i come this this kid that nobody's ever heard of um And I'm purchasing like 10,000 clumps of dahlias um, just because I knew that I had to do something huge in order to be noticed. So, yep, that first full-time year, we had uh, 10,000 clumps, which are then able to be divided down once they come in. So, I mean, we probably started with 15,000 15, dahlia plants that first full-time year. And that's absolutely insane. Um, a lot of farms that I help with starting with startups and consultations, um, I usually suggest like 100 to 400 dahlias your first year <laughs> to get your feet wet. And I say that lovingly because I learned the hard way that 10,000 dahlias are not easy to take care of. Like, I promise you, it is a lot of work. So um, that was how I made my splash. And let me tell you, that splash really, really worked. Um, because a lot of those florists that found out about me that very first year are still with me. And um, we have incredible relationships. I honestly don't know how we would survive and navigate Dahlia season if we didn't have those key florists and designers who purchase on a weekly basis. So super, super thankful, super grateful for those rock stars. Um, After that year of the Dahlia, (laughs) everything uh, started to fall into place as far as, or in regards to production, Um, started to really learn and grasp the concept and hone in on the skills Of starting your own um, seeds and transplants and cuttings, Um, really utilizing high quality um, inputs and learning the differences between soil composition and and germination mix and finding those really reputable companies. Um, And we'll go into more about sourcing um, in episode four, I believe. Um, But all of those things that really factor into the details that make a successful farm um, were learned in those first couple years, um, because there really is no formal place that you can go for education um, in regards to commercial cut flowers that is going to be able to tell you everything you know. Um, there are online workshops and, and um, courses that people sell that say that they've got the special sauce, but the reality is, is that they don't. They just have a book that they can sell you. Um, And a lot of those things you can ask local growers and people will help you. I'm not saying that that's not an option. But a lot of what is crucial, you have to do, fail, and learn from. That's the reality of it. And I can't even begin to tell you the thousands of dollars that we have spent on projects that never worked out. But honestly, I don't think that I would or would want to change that method of learning um i jokingly will say every now and then that that's my college tuition that's that's my tuition on how to to do my job better that's how i learn um is going on a limb trying something uh, trying something that someone says works for them learning that it, it might work in oregon and washington but In Northwestern Illinois, that ain't gonna fly, baby. So being able to um, pick those things apart and really do it on your own um, is something that was very, very important in building what we have now. Um, Also, in those first few formative years, it was very apparent (laughs) to me (laughs) <laughs> that I had to get really good at training uh, people on how to do the, the, the task at hand. Um, because when you're growing volume of cut flowers, it should be very clear to you that you cannot do it all on your own. Um, and if you are in the position of starting a farm or you've been doing this for a few years and you don't have reliable employees, The biggest thing that I can tell you, one, is to find out where you want your business to go. Do you want it to be wholesale? Do you want it to be retail? XYZ, where do you want your business to go? And number two, if you see yourself either losing sales, losing crops, XYZ, whatever the case may be, it's already past the appropriate time to bring people into your organization, into your business, into your life to help you. And that was something that I really struggled with in the beginning because I had this tenacity that said, oh, I'm just going to do it on my own because it can't be that hard. Um, and I also had the thought process of, oh, well, if this isn't that hard, then anybody can do it. So why would I want to educate someone on that? Because they'll just go do it on their own. And while some of that does hold true to certain things, um, the reality of it is, is that not everybody wants to do everything on their own. Some people just want to work for an organization that they find alignment with and that they you know love being outside and they love working with plants and they love that every day is different. And those are the people that really elevate your business. And that's something that I, it took me a long time to grasp. Um, if you can find those people and it takes time to do that. And if you can train those people and, and show them why you do the things that you do. Not just tell them to do um, X, Y, Z or go tell them to, to deadhead the zinnias. But show them why, you deadhead the zinnias. You know, teach them that you remo- you remove those spent blooms from the plant so that it can put energy and more focus into producing more flowers for you to sell. Um, those are the things that took me a while to really grasp. Um, and we'll we'll dive into more with with details and on em- employees and crew and team members and all that fun jazz in another episode. Excuse me. Um, but that was something that took me a while to grasp when I was um, getting Clara Joyce flowers to where we are now, and I say where we are now because I know that that is this space that we're in right now, um, this metaphysical space, is not where we're gonna be forever. Um, I remember saying early on that you know I hope in five years, we're not doing the same thing. And it's very true. We're not doing the same things that we were doing five years ago. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, running your own business, especially when you're so new and, and fresh and green into the industry is that everything is in a constant state of motion. Everything is changing. And if you have the ability to roll with those changes and, um, adapt constantly, I think it's one of the beautiful things that really factors into how well your, your business is able to stay relevant. Um, also, diversity is incredible, um, both in the people that you have in your circles, um, but also in your offerings as a business. Um, You know, it's very easy to get comfortable in growing just one thing or one avenue of sale, Um, but that's not always the smartest thing to do when it comes to business, so we'll talk about more of that again. All right, so I think we are starting to round out uh, the story of Claire Joyce Flowers and how all of that came to be. Um, so I do hope that you were able to learn a few things today uh, from this podcast. This was a lot of fun for me to go down memory lane and, and talk about kind of how we got to where we are and some of the stumbles and things that were, were huge to me. So, um, I do hope that, um, you are able to follow us on social media. We are on, um, Instagram. We have two accounts on Instagram. We have our farm account, which is Clara Joyce flowers. And we also have a wedding design account called Clara Joyce weddings. Um, so you can follow us there. We're also on Facebook under Clara Joyce flowers. Um, if you would like to support us and our employees, we've got merch, merchandise, um, we've got spring plants and tubers and all that fun stuff available available for purchase on our website called ClaraJoyceFlowers.com. Um, and also, depending on your streaming platform for um, this podcast today, go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. Um, I do uh, hope you're able to do that um, and be notified when we have new episodes come out. That's one of the the fun things about uh, this podcast is we don't necessarily have a set schedule. So (laughs) whenever we have the ability to to get an episode live, I'm gonna take advantage of that and I want you to know when that happens as well. So with all of that said, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we will go from there. I can't wait to chat with you on topic three, episode three. We'll be covering uh, small scale intensive cut flower production. And um, if you have questions, you can email that to me at Drew at ClaraJoyceFlowers.com. And also, if you have any new ideas uh, for topics for new episodes, let me know as well. So thank you so much. Have a fabulous day. Sending all my love. And we'll chat with you soon. Bye.